0: Moving on today, I want to go ahead and give credit where credit is due because uh, as I struggle with this message, the Lord um, led me to listen to a minister I don't listen to a lot, uh, brother uh, Pastor Robert Morris with um, Gateway Church, and it's not that I don't like him, it's just I have other mentors and people I've, I've listened to and kind of aspire to preach like, And um, but on the topic I'm preaching today, there's no one I have heard uh, better in the way he he talks about this topic. So. If you ever hear his message on the same topic, then you'll think, that's Pastor CJ. Got a lot of that from my Brother Morris, and I did. Um, but there's just no other way, because he is a slow method teacher. And what I mean by that is he takes great time to explain everything. What happens is we're going to be talking about uh, speaking in tongues. And our, we're part of the Assemblies of God, a Pentecostal denomination, and we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues. However, most of that time everyone focuses to a gift of tongues where uh, a message in tongues is given and an interpretation but there's another there's another part to that there's a prayer language a private prayer language where where god speaks where you speak to god through the holy spirit in prayer and we're going to focus on that today and brother robert morris uh, he he did a great job it so I, I used a lot of what he spoke on this And he titled his message, Does He Speak in Tongues? If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we'll also look later in the message at Luke 11, but for now we're going to stick primarily around 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Like I said, there's a a gift of tongues that we've talked about in this church and in services many times, and I want you to stay with me. Listen, I'm going to do something a little different than first service. I'm going to tell you, that I don't know everybody's background completely here. I know some of yours. And I know there are some that were not raised in this doctrine. And there's going to be a temptation to shut it out. I'm going to ask you, whether you feel like you'll have your mind changed or not today, I just want you to at least be open to hearing what God's Word has to say about it. So, we've talked about the gift of the Spirit. You know, there's nine manifestational gifts of the Spirit, and tongues and interpretation is part of that. And I want you to understand there is a gift of tongues, but there's also a prayer language. And that is a message, uh, you know, when it's an uh, interpretation, a message in tongues, an interpretation, that's a message from God to the church being interpreted by someone with that gifting in the church. And when we see in Scripture, we'll see in Scripture that very clearly that there is a separate work, too, where we can actually pray in tongues and it's more of a private thing and we'll understand at the end why that's important to us. But Scripture is very clear on this, so I'm not going to leave you holding with just my opinions, but to give you what Scripture says. And and the reason I started out that way is because there will be some who maybe believe that there is a gift of tongues, but they just say, I don't have that gift. And that's where they leave it. But prayer language is for everyone. It's not a gift, but a communication ability every believer can have. Like an infant starting to talk. You know, um, when Lily or the boys were real small and they first started to talk, and they're kind of saying words, but you're not really, it's like, you know, but there's usually a parent or someone in the family, maybe it's a sibling that just really is taken to them and kind of their caregiver, you know, how they want to take care of them. And they say, oh, they're asking for milk. I'm Like, how did you get that out of that? I just know that's what they're saying. And sure enough, you go bring them, yeah. Go to hand them something of the milk, Yeah. Milk? Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's it's kind of in the same sense, we as God's children, that, that <clears throat> when we speak in tongues, it may be it's, it's that we don't understand it ourselves or others understand it, but we shouldn't negate it because we see an example in life where uh, as infants, there's times when things can be interpreted that don't make much sense, right? That's not going to be the main point, but there are three things I want you to tell I want to tell you about this prayer language. There's three truths that I want you to walk away with today and grab a hold of these and do your own study. Okay, I'm going to give you all the scripture and give you the tools and I want you to seek it out. And that's going to be the challenge at the end of the service. The first thing is it's scriptural. I would hope everyone in here in your journey to understanding God and his word would not just take what I say for face value but would want to know that anything being taught is scriptural. That that not only you find in the scripture, but you know that I'm not twisting it. And so I want to take time for us to really look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. And I'm reading from the New King James Version today, whereas I usually read from the ESV. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Notice that, that it's not speaks from God, it's speaks to God. For, for no one, it says, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. That means something's really being said. When speaking in tongues happens, something's really being said. It's just that we in our physical realm here don't understand it. You might want to read that verse this week in that time at lunchtime or at meal times, when you're fasting or just before your meal. Read these scriptures that I'm giving you today. If you have a chance to write them down or mark them, go over them again. That he who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Paul's talking about speaking in tongues in the Spirit and says it's a message to God. Now look at verses 14 through 17 and watch this very carefully. This is where it starts to unfold. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, for if I pray in a tongue, Paul's talking, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding. Now, this word understanding uh, is translated mind. Out of the 24 times in scripture, it's translated mind 21 times. So generally, when they say understanding, they're, they're saying mind. So the understanding of my mind is unfruitful. That means I'm not getting really anything out of this intellectually. Are you understanding that? I want to make sure I don't lose you. Maybe it was me first service where I started losing people. But intellectually, that means you know a lot of things. We know it doesn't make sense. Scripture uh, Scripture tells us that His ways are higher than ours. His understanding's higher. Than ours. This is a situation where we aren't going to mentally, with our mind, just figure this out. What's the conclusion then? He says, verse fifteen. What's the conclusion then? Because we're saying we're speaking in some of the language, we're not getting anything mentally out of it, but it's speaking mysteries, right? God's understanding it. Watch carefully what Paul says. I will pray with the spirit, and he's obviously talking about praying in tongues, uh, just in verse fourteen. If I pray in tongue, then I and I don't understand it, so I will pray with the spirit. But he also says, I will pray. With understanding, I will also pray with the Spirit. So it's not negating your normal prayer life in your your native tongue that you understand. It's just saying also he will pray in the Spirit. Now I can generally, when I preach on this topic, I can feel resistance in the air. And that's because I grew up in church with uh, Baptist friends and Presbyterian friends and everybody, and some of them said that my parents were demon-possessed and trying to indoctrinate me into demon possession with speaking tongues. And so, you know, I, I'm not naive to all the thoughts that could happen. And I'm just going to tell you that many times we can see, sense that that tension in the air. But understand that I'm okay with you arguing with God. You're not arguing with me because I'm just going to give you Scripture. Paul penned this. God inspired it. It's God's words, and Paul just penned it. He didn't author it. But there's some who would say this is a very wrong doctrine because they were raised or trained or indoctrinated to believe that all of this had passed away. You'll, you'll hear from some uh, beliefs that That the speaking in tongues, that was, that did happen in the Bible. It's obviously there, but it ceased at some point. And one of the things that they'll use to say that is often in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, they'll say, where it says, when the perfect comes, that tongues will cease, but also knowledge will cease. So this word perfect, whenever that perfect, whatever they're saying comes, the tongues will cease. But it also says that tongues and knowledge. So it's not just tongues that cease. In that scripture it says tongues and knowledge will cease. So in a way I guess you'd say anyone who says that it ceased. They can't really know that anyway. Because if they believe tongues ceased and so did knowledge. They don't know anything. Right? Somebody laughed. First service they didn't know I was trying to be funny. Okay. So we're we're doing good here. You're coming with me. We're doing good. Okay. But. They say that the word perfect is the word of God. Now, I will admit, I agree, the word of God is perfect, but I don't believe that's what they're speaking here. The scripture says we know in part. We know only in part, not the full yet. That's, again, saying we don't have our full understanding of God's ways yet. Now, let me read to you 1 Corinthians. Hang on to this. I'm I'm getting there, but let's keep our minds on the perfect. What what does that mean? Is that talking about the Bible? Verse Let's talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and and all knowledge, and though I have faith, have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, love does not envy, and we let's skip on down to verse eight, this talks about love. Love never fails, but where whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And other versions say where there are. Where there are tongues they will cease. Where there is knowledge it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. When I, I understood like a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide in faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest is love. That scripture says we know in part. We know that we, we only know things in part, but we don't know the full yet. And, and let me tell you what the, Bible, what the Bible is saying when it says perfect. Because when you say when the perfect comes, you're talking about Scripture, right? But see, this, it wasn't until about 390, when, 393 when the Scripture was canonized. So wh- why would we think that all of a sudden when Scripture was canonized that the works of the Holy Spirit that were described in the Bible would all of a sudden cease then? To, to do that, you're putting the Trinity in a different light. Instead of the Trinity being God the Father, God the Son, and God the... They put God the Bible. But it's not, the whole, it's not God the Father, God the Son, and the Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in no way do I believe that the Holy Spirit stopped working in certain ways it did in Scripture in 393 just because Scripture was canonized at that point. The Holy Spirit still moves and speaks and still enables us to pray in tongues and have the gift of tongues and interpretation. In other words, God as a good heavenly father and us as his kids, all of the fruits of, in, in scripture and all of the gifts are available to his children. And we're not even speaking about a gift today. The prayer language is something for every believer, not just a gift that you must wait on and know, do I have that gifting? And please hear this because if the Bible if something boils up inside of you, and, and I've said this so many times, before I was 14 years old and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues for the first time, I didn't want to tell my parents, but I didn't believe it. And, and the reason is because you go back to that scripture where it talks about love, if you do all these things you have not love, you're just a clanging symbol. Well, guess what? You know what contributed to me not believing? Is because in the churches I grew up in, the people who would give a message and interpretation... Many times they are the hardest people to get along with. The gripiest or the whatever. And I'd look at that and say, Well, if this Holy Spirit thing you you get the gift of tongues and, and if you lined everybody up in the church and asked people on poll who's the hardest to get along with in here, and it's those people, then I think, that's hokey. So I just didn't believe in it. I had enough friends telling me, you know, yeah, it's not real. But then the Lord, when it happened to me, I realized what was happening is as I was seeing something that possibly is fake. I can't make that judgment call. I just know that there wasn't fruit being born by it. And so that scripture, if I could do all these things, I speak in tongues, I prophesy, I have all these great spiritual things about me. But nobody can stand me. And I don't love people. And I don't treat them with kindness and compassion. Then I'm just a in God's ears, I'm a clanging cymbal, I'm a resounding gong. I He don't He don't want to hear what we had to say. Do you get what I'm saying? So what I realize is we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, we can't take a doctrine and say because we've seen some crazy stuff that that we just felt inside wasn't real, that now we don't have anything to do with that doctrine. So then, here's another thing. When we start to feel defiant when reading God's Word, we should question ourselves, why am I feeling defiant to this? If someone just reads God's Word and something in that stir something up in me that's not good then why is that well if you do that then you have to realize there's a problem there maybe the devil is trying to rob you from something the holy spirit wants to do in you then there's 1 corinthians 14 15 through 17 what is the conclusion then i will pray with the spirit and i also pray with the understanding I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, and bless is another word for pray, in fact, that's in our culture now. When we get ready to pray over food, we say, will you bless the food? So many times that word bless is is used in conjunction with pray. Otherwise, if you pray or you bless in the Spirit. So how many times, you know, with the spirit, it goes on to say, with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks or of your prayer? Giving of thanks is also another meaning for prayer. So it's saying, it's saying, how many times if you, if you are to pray in tongues and there's someone else listening, and this is not a gift of tongues, or not an interpretation, then, and they're in their place, then how will they get anything out of it? Right? So we've obviously got two separate things going on here. When we look at the scripture, we've got a gift in tongues with interpretation. And then we've got this prayer language. Since he does not understand what you say, for you indeed give thanks well, or you pray well. But the other is not edified. That means the other person got nothing out of it. You see, he's saying you have to understand if you're going to pray in tongues, people are not going to understand you. Yes, that's, that's a given. But the point is, he's saying you can pray in tongues. These scriptures are sometimes used to say, well, prophecy is more important or it's passed away. That, that's not the point of this. It's saying you have the opportunity to pray in tongues, but here's some guidelines. Here's here's what's beneficial about it. Here, here's what how, what makes it work is it, if you just have, you know, a prayer to God and you pray in your heavenly language and, in tongues and other people hear it and don't understand, they got nothing out of it. It, it didn't benefit them. So it's given some parameters. And Paul's calling it praying with the Spirit. And in these two, uh, in, the, in verse 2, he calls it in the Spirit. Now, some would go as far as to say, if, uh, Paul said, if I speak in tongues. And, and they'll try to say, well, Paul said, if I speak in tongues, he never said he actually does speak in tongues. And to that I say, apparently they haven't read all of Paul's writings because th- when they try to say that, look down at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. This is Paul speaking. I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. I think, God, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And Paul wrote that. And Paul was not known to be a prideful man. So this isn't bragging rights. He's just saying that I'm thanking the Lord that I have that freedom and I pray in tongues more than all of you. He's not trying to compare himself as that I'm better than you. He's trying to encourage them towards this uh, operation of prayer in the Spirit. You see, I believe that people who have a bias, and maybe not on their fault, but they're just raised into the bias, they can read right over Scripture like this and not see it. We don't want to talk about that Paul was giving thanks for speaking in tongues more than anybody, and we're just saying, well, that's for some people. Or be willing to stop, and they may not be willing to stop and meditate on it. But it's all right here in the Bible. And listen to this. Here's one that you can't get past. Look down at verse 39, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. Therefore, brethren, speaking to all the churches, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not. See, I got some people's attention with that. You're used to that, right? Do not. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Don't forbid it. And there are churches that forbid people to speak in tongues. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, do not forbid it. Now, if you want to talk about spiritual blindness, that's spiritual blindness. I'm going to tell you that while I don't, ha- I don't know everything about Scripture that I'd like to know, and I don't know everything, I know that there's some evidences by what I've seen in my own life, and I've seen happen in our world recently, that tells me that even the denominations or the churches that, that are forbidding it are starting to realize that they cannot deny there's something to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in this manner because Not too long ago, a major denomination who had always forbid it said they'd no longer uh, get rid of their missionaries or excommunicate the missionaries or fire them or whatever. They'd no longer disqualify them as missionaries if they spoke in tongues. Now you ask, why would it be missionaries? Why wouldn't they say all of our pastors? Why wouldn't it be good for the U.S. if it's good for around the world? Well, I'll tell you what I think I know about that. What I've learned is that many times, unfortunately, people only lean on these these, uh, these operations of the Holy Spirit, when they're in a tough time. Oppression and persecution brings on more of a need for the Holy Spirit. And many of these countries, the believers, they're gaining more converts for those who say, we believe in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believe in speaking tongues, we believe in the prayer language, because they need that strength to combat what the Scripture says. It gives them strength to combat what the enemy's doing. And it's vital. So these other organizations are losing They're they're losing ground, not gaining the converts, and they're seeing these Pentecostal organizations that believe in that, and they're thriving, and they're growing, and and more converts, and people truly getting saved, baptized, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and the churches are exploding because of the persecution put on that people are responding in greater force to to God. So it's not rocket science to figure out, well, if they're saying, well, we're going to go ahead and make it okay for our missionaries, we're just keeping our pastors here. They know there's truth to it. Otherwise, why ever cross that bridge? You know, there's truth to it, but there's still this bias that says, you know what, we just don't want to. And what I believe is somewhere in that organization, at some point, one of their main leaders had some experience like I did where they saw sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so acting like a fool the rest of the time and then speaking in tongues and carrying on and, and doing things under their own strength, and they just believed at some point that's just that's not for today. They threw the baby out with the bathwater. They saw some bad experiences, and they decided the doctrine is no good. And it's Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And the Pentecostal experience and, and belief is one of the fastest spreading group of believers in the world. And the Scripture says, do not forbid it. So if you're feeling resistance to this, if if you feel that, I'm not trying to challenge you between me and you. I'm telling you, if Scripture is welling something up in you and you don't like this, this is not a comfort zone for you. I'd rather talk about just love and let's get off this Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Then ask yourself, why would I be bowing up to that scripture over others? Here's the second truth. The second truth about the prayer language of tongues, I want you to know. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. Look at verse four. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, if you're trying, you know, some people try to use this to put down the whole speaking in tongues. They say, "See, it's better." This scripture says it's better to prophesy, so there's more evidence that tongues have ceased. But there's several problems with this. First of all, the word "but" in there is a conjunction in the Greek. And it's a Greek word. It's, it, it's in the Bible over 2,700 times. That word but is in the Bible 2,700 times. That's why I kept telling my mom growing up that but is not a bad word, that if you say bottom, you're just in denial of the truth, that that is a biblical word. She is in first service, and I got the frown that I expected on that. Most of the time it's translated and. And there's a point to this. Listen, listen closely. And if you lost me on the scripture, I'm going to read it again. But most time, it's and, this word but. And sometimes, some translations even say on the other hand. So let's read it with that in mind. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself and, or but, on the other hand, he who prophesies edifies the church. It's not comparing one to the other saying this one's better than the other. What it's saying is, in this application, when you're talking about edifying yourself, building yourself up, then the prayer language, tongue, uh, prayer in tongues, is how you're built up. If you're trying to build up the church, then it's the, the prophecy in tongues or the uh, speaking in tongues with interpretation, but it's saying he who prophesies edifies the church. In other words, for a personal buildup, it's the prayer language in tongues. Prophecy is for building up the church. There is a connotation in the Greek, though, that draws a difference. So there is a difference. But if you listen to what it's saying without a bias, trying to figure out whether tongues is real or not, then listen to it one more time, slowly. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Edifies who? Himself. In other words, builds himself up. And I've got to ask you, what's wrong with that? Where did that ever become bad to want to be built up? Why would we go on a witch hunt trying to figure out a way to exclude this from our doctrine when it's meant, the scripture says, it's just meant to build you up? So again, it's talking about a private and a public setting. Privately building yourself up, publicly building the church up. Praying in a prayer language in private, but when you speak in public, it ought to be words people can understand. That makes good common sense. Of all the mysteries of the Bible, it's hard to understand. That one's easy for me. If I speak in public, people should understand. I hate listening to my own sermons. All of a sudden, I realize I ramble, speak too fast, don't enunciate. And I'm like, how can anybody stand to listen to me? It's important that you understand what I'm saying or else why are we here? I could tell you how that's bitten me before. One time I was telling the church that me and my wife were supposed to go to a minister's meeting for all the ministers in a section, and they call it sectional council. But like today, I start running fast in my words, and I say, and everybody perked up all of a sudden. I thought, wow, everybody's really excited about me leaving to go to ministry meeting. What they thought I said was sexual council. Everybody thought I was sharing pri- private personal details about struggles me and my wife were having. And, I, and later it was a laugh, but I wondered, like, why did everybody perk up? All of a sudden, like, wow, juicy news here. But when we speak in public, anything that's done in the church needs to be for the building up of the body. and so it needs to be clear. And that's the challenge of being a preacher. I I mean, I've had so many people in the past will come up and say, Pastor, I think if you did this, I don't think you need notes. I think you just need to let the Holy Spirit just tell you what to say. And I just want so bad to say, next week you're up, no notes. And I want you to ask everybody at, at the end, how's it going? And when they say, oh, that was good, you know it wasn't. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just learn. You, just, you learn that, that, that God uses that structure. And so with speaking in tongues, there is structure. There is a discipline to it that we are in control. Let me put it to you this way. Let's put this in the focus of reading our Bible, and let's put it in this same scripture. Instead of he who speaks in tongues, he who reads his Bible, listen to this, he who reads his Bible in private builds himself up. He who reads his Bible in public builds the church up. Now see, that, that seems like that make real good sense. And so the other scriptures are saying the same thing. It just makes sense that anything that's done in public in the church needs to be for the whole body. And that's why if someone comes up to me and says, hey, brother, I think I have a word for the church, and they do it last minute, and I say, and this has happened to me. And I say, okay, go ahead and tell me what it is, and then I'll let you know if it's okay at this point in the service or what. Well, I just, I'd just, just rather just share it with them direct because it's just right from the Lord to, to them. And I say, well, then you're not going to say it because the Lord does not let things just get, we're not here to just get crazy and out of hand. The Holy Spirit can lead things, yes, impromptu. But he's also given authority over the leaders of the church to make sure to protect the sheep that somebody doesn't get up here and, Start some heresy, you know. So, you know, there's there's a balance between hold, not you're not holding back the spirit, but understanding what the scripture says about the discipline and how it is used. So, in private, your prayer language, because I get so excited in services sometimes that that the, I begin to speak in tongues, but I hold back from speaking loudly enough where everybody could hear me. And the reason I do that is not squashing the Holy Spirit, because I know I'm not getting a message in tongues for the church. I know God's dealing with me inside, and I'm so angst about it. I'm so worked up that I don't even know how to say anything about it. I, I just don't even, I'm like, God, I don't even know if I should apologize to you because it seems like I do that so many times. And so all of a sudden I begin praying in tongues, and you just feel these weeds and these things being uprooted and just pulled out. And this fresh feeling like, I don't know what I said to you, God, but the Spirit just helped me get through. The Spirit just helped me get through. The enemy was trying to make me think about, you know, moving dirt out there at the job job site when I'm supposed to be worshiping. And I began to just focus and let the Holy Spirit take control. And I never lose control myself. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here. Hold on. So now remember Paul is praying in the Spirit, and he's referring to tongues. And there doesn't seem to be any other way he is referring to anything else. There's not a whole other subject matter here that we're missing. He starts out and he's talking about praying in tongues. So I don't see any way you can get around that. Verse 2 and verse 14. If I pray in tongues, then my spirit prays, he says. So I'm going to pray in the spirit without understanding. And I'm also going to pray normally with understanding. Now everyone knows Ephesians chapter 6 probably. At least you've heard it if you don't know what the scripture reference is. When we talk about the whole armor of God, right? And, and so I'm not going to take time to read all this, but... It starts out, put on the whole armor of God, so you may be able to stand in the evil, uh, in the evil day. Um, it's talking about being able to fend off, and it goes through all the different armor, right? But I want you to pay attention to the last two verses. It says in Ephesians 6, 17 and 18, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, semicolon, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, I want to add to that 1 Corinthians 14 that we've already read, that praying in the Spirit is praying in a prayer language. Because right here about the home armor of God and be able to defend yourself against the attempts of the enemy, pray always and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Then if we looked at Jude chapter 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You see the pattern through Scripture? We, we continually see these references about praying in the Spirit. And so when we add with that verse 4, we see he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, I, I figure I need all the building up I can get. I mean, yesterday, I, every once in a while, I feel like I've, and and I don't mean to offending by if if you've had a bipolar disorder but that's the only thing I can reference saying there's sometimes lately I felt bipolar you know like one day I'm on top of the mountain everything's going great next day I just feel like I can't do this and that's the times when the Holy Spirit comes and refreshes me through that prayer time some of you say I'd like to do that but I don't have that gift but remember I told you in the beginning we're not talking about a gift of tongues where you come into church and you feel led to speak in tongues loudly where the service stops and we observe that and someone else gives interpretation. I'm talking about a prayer language in tongues. Let me give you the third truth about praying in tongues. So we talked about it's scriptural, that it's, it's beneficial, right? And it's a choice. Let me show you again 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 and 15. For if I pray, for if I pray, in other words, I have a choice whether I do it or not. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion, Will? What is the conclusion then? It says, I will. I will pray in the spirit. But here's, here's the thing. We all have a will. God has given us a will. And in that use of the word, if you were to say, Pastor CJ, would you like to go have me buy you a steak dinner? I will. I will go with you. We, we give our will freely in, in, in a lot of circumstances. But when it comes to things of God, many times we don't realize it's a matter of us giving our will to it, that I will. And so Paul's saying, what is the conclusion then? What shall we do? If I speak in tongues and people can't hear me, right, or people can't understand me if they hear it, and I also can pray with understanding, then what will I do? I'll do both. I will pray in the Spirit privately where I can be built up and then in other times I'll pray with my native language where I can understand what's being said you have a will and you deploy it freely and so God is asking you to deploy your will in this situation to be able to pray and communicate both in words you understand and words you don't understand so I want you to know that there are people who I can understand if you didn't come to this background you're still thinking, I don't want to be that person flailing around on the ground and speaking gibberish out of my mouth, right? And so there's a couple of concerns that happen. That, well, let me just put you at ease. You're not going to be at the super center walking down the aisle and all of a sudden be overtaken and go into a trance and grab the speaker for the intercom and just start speaking in tongues, okay? It's, it's not an out-of-control thing. Every time that God has, uh, has given me that gift, I've been aware that it's happening. I could stop at any time. But because of what it's doing in me and through me, I don't want to. And, and part of the problem in the Pentecostal uh, denominations and background is some of them have gone crazy where they, they'll, they'll say, oh, I can't control it. I can't control it. That's not what Scripture says about it. In fact, there's been times where um, there's been big, probably church fights over squash squashing the spirit because he told me I need to sit down. I need... Well, there's been times I've been in churches where everybody in the church, godly people, who are prayed up and have the Holy Spirit in them too, are thinking, I wish pastor would tell them to sit down and shut up. Because it just doesn't feel right. At the times of the service or when things are going on, it's like the best time for them to get attention and the best time to interrupt what the Spirit was trying to do. And so there are times when it's appropriate and right for in a service for a minister. And, and I don't want to scare you because I've never had that happen here. I had to tell somebody, I won't say shut up. <laughs> you know, Brother, sister, you need to stop for a moment. I don't feel like this is the time in the service for that. I know churches are very successful in this doctrine, helping people who are coming from all kinds of backgrounds that, that differ from that, helping that. And they have a service, their main service, where they ask their people who are spirit-filled, who speak tongues, say, I want you to refrain in that service from that happening. We will get these people plugged into small groups. We'll teach them about the doctrine. We'll give them a chance to understand and experience that way. There's some that I grew up with that would hear that and be like, I don't like that. That don't feel right to me. But then again... Part You've got to remember, part of the reason we, we lost a, gener, a generation of people to the Pentecostal faith in the 80s and into the 90s from youth groups is because of some of this stuff. Because people weren't willing to sit down and help people understand the doctrine. They just would see it in the service and say, oh, they should just be so enamored by it. And want it. Remember what happened in Acts? All the people observing were like, they're drunk. They needed an explanation, right? They needed the Word of God to, to help them, draw them to understanding what that was. So, another thing, too, is you can relax. It's not going to just overtake you. In other words, it'd be the same if you're sitting here during offering and the offering basket's getting passed and all of a sudden your checkbook jumps out of your pocket, grabs your pen, and starts writing itself a check, right, and drops an offering. And then you could just say, oh, I have the gift of giving, right? (laughs) God's gifts aren't, you know, going to just overtake you and, you know, take control of you and you don't have a choice. You will yourself to give and so you have to physically take your checkbook and write that out right it, it, it's also like you're not going to be at the gas station pumping gas and you, and you know the gift of teaching right that's a gift gift of teaching you're pumping gas and all of a sudden you have this you know trance come over you and you're just overtaken and then you just turn around to all the people pumping gas and start teaching them right out of your control but and, and we say it, we do that and laugh but honestly I've had friends I've grown up with that that's probably what they really thought that if I bought into your doctrine, I'm worried about that. And that would lead them to the others. I don't want to open myself up to something evil. Because they'd heard that's demonic. And before we close, I want to touch on, I want to touch on this. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus talked about authority over demons and he referred to them as serpents and scorpions. So keep a hold of that. So Luke chapter 10, we're in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. Jesus is talking about having authority over demons and he calls them serpents and scorpions. And I think Jesus knew that somewhere down the road, people would start taking the things of the Holy Spirit and attribute it to demonic activity. And he had to answer and get an answer to them on that because people would think that there's something demonic about it. Because in Luke chapter 11, 11 through 13, it says, if a son asks for bread. From any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a what? A serpent instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him what? A scorpion. Listen to verse 13. If you then, being evil, you and I both have evil in us as much as we would like to not, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Giving the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's any I don't think it's just a coincidence that Jesus used snakes and scorpions just a chapter later when he had just referred to how to so you don't have to worry about being open. If you're earnestly seeking your heavenly Father for something good from him, then why would you fear about getting a demon? He's not going to, oh, I'll just give you a demon instead. So he, Jesus felt like he needed to express that, that we don't need to worry about that. So I want I wanted to just ask you one simple question. Isn't it about time that you let your spirit pray? I mean, seriously, whether you're at New Song or any other church, I mean, that's inconsequential as long as we're preaching the word. But what I'm saying is on your journey to discovering God in your life. We've seen the evidence of Scripture, right? We know that Paul's talking about that. And, and Paul, you know, he says, I'm thankful that I, preach, I pray in tongues more than all of you, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And another Scripture says, I wish all of you did. And that's how I feel today. I wish everyone did. Not for my benefit, because we're talking about your private prayer language, but for yours. Because it is a benefit. And it is scriptural. And it is your choice. It's your will whether you decide to open yourself to that. So then the final question I realize I don't do good at other times, and I see a lot of ministers miss this. For those that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, have not prayed in in tongues, how does that happen, Pastor CJ? I'm going to tell you this, as far as the private prayer language, whether you're here at an altar at home, it is a language. It is a use of your tongue. It is a verbal thing. And, and I don't get into like I saw in the 80s and 90s where they're going to have a class on speaking tongues and all you got to do is repeat, who stole my Honda untied my bow tie, you know, or whatever. You know, and, that, and, and they get into this crazy teaching you steps to that. But I am going to tell you this. Time and time again, I've seen people being filled with the Holy Spirit where when they're at an altar and someone's praying with them and they tell them, just open up your mouth and begin to praise him out loud. Because so many people are timid about praying out loud and all. And, and it's, a, it's, a vocal, it's a vocal thing that happens. You begin to speak in a heavenly language. And so I'm going to challenge you, whether you have to put on worship music at home or just get in a quiet place, but you speak out praises out loud to him. And you begin to praise him. And you tell him, I want everything you have for me. I want you to give me everything you have, God, and I'm going to keep after it until it comes. And that is going to be the challenge after this service. Right now, we're, those of you that are fasting, at different times, those of you that are reading your scripture before you eat or before you fast, I'm just going to challenge you this. In your prayer time, begin to praise him out loud and ask him, give me everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer me. And I'm looking forward to the testimonies of what God will do. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity from your word to hear, Lord, evidence, not to prove a case, although some may have needed that God today. But Lord, more to open up our minds to what Your Scripture has to say and those things that may get passed over. Lord, Your Scripture that tells us in the church not to ever forbid speaking in tongues. And that God, that we should want, like Paul, want to speak in tongues more than anyone. because Not because of show, not because of something to brag on, but because it builds us up. Because in our personal life, when we struggle wondering why can't I live the Christian walk like I see others? Why can't I seem to have the boldness? Why can't I seem to understand the Word of God like like others? What what is going on? Maybe you've had resistance to one of the key elements. Freedom of the Holy Spirit and being able to pray in tongues. It's not that that has to be your primary prayer language, but We often pray where we understand the words, but there's times when the enemy is trying his hardest to thwart your prayers and keep keep you from being able to focus on what the Lord needs to hear from you. And that's where that heavenly prayer language comes in and begins to help you to speak to the Lord directly. Jesus, I just pray right now in this place, God, that you'll open hearts to your word, God, that you'll continue to let this word saturate us and change us, God. I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity, Lord, to have your presence living in us. God, changing us. And I pray that this would change the course of, of the lives of, of the believers of this church. That as they begin to be filled with your Spirit, and as they begin to pray, Lord, in tongues, God, they'll find that those mysteries that are being spoke to you through that heavenly language, God, will free things in their life, will will take away bondage Lord that they thought they could never get rid of and they'll find true freedom in you in Jesus name. thank you there's many times we try to have an altar service up here and this is open always if you want to come down and pray at the end of the service you are welcome for as long as you want you can pray there in your seat but I'm going to continue that challenge that you do not let today pass before you form the habit of getting alone with God praising Him out loud. Today, find a time, this evening. We don't have evening service here except for college and career youth, so many of you have the opportunity tonight to spend time with Him. Praise Him out loud in private time. Open yourself up to what He has for you. Amen. God bless you. uh, You're free to go if you want. free to stay and pray as long as you want.